Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Hi everyone, today you have Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation and our guests, are Brendan and Kathy Clancy. Um, for people that don't know who you are, could you say a bit about where you're from and what you do? We are from Australia. We live in Queensland and um, we have been doing involved with children's ministry for the last 27 or 28 years now um, from Melbourne originally and uh, we were traveling and that's of course where we met Andrew and Daphne yes. many years ago in Singapore while we were all buzzing about the planet. We did like 19 <laughs> world trips before um, now we're in a more COVID settled moment, it's, aren't we? It seems like we're doing more world trips with everything online than, you know, getting on yeah. planes. Yes. But I remember meeting you guys back in Singapore and going, wow, this is a divine connection. We are on the same God page, passionate for families, passionate for generational blessings to flow. And we just hit it off, I believe. Yes. That's right. We've we missed did. you. Yes. Yeah. It's been too long. Um, yeah. And we, we actually, we've just been invited to go to Australia, I think it was like two or three times next year. And of course, <laughs> with COVID, <laughs> so it doesn't Oops. look like that's going to happen. I don't know. But um, for people that um, they hear this, they say, yeah, I want to find out more about these guys. I want to see some of their resources, maybe hear the music. Where can they do that? <laughs> we took a breath at the same time. Go. I'll go. Okay, so we've got a website, um, theclancys.com.au. Um, our YouTube channel is OKTV Global, and that has heaps of resource and content up there for ministries and families and parents. So um, they're the two main places that you can check out all the things that God has given us. And of course, you can hear the music, a lot of the music on Spotify. Spotify. So wow. if you look up Brendan Clancy, Brendan with an O yep. and Don. And Kathy with an I-E, C-A-T-H-I-E, <laughs> Clancy. And uh, you can hear, we've got a number of albums, the amazing album. We've got uh, like a best of album with about 50 songs, including some instrumental tracks, which yep. we put up earlier this year and uh, and some other bits and pieces as well but a lot of training on the oktvglobal.com.au youtube channel that's and not .com.au that's isn't it you no. sure come on brendan <laughs> oh it's just OKTV YouTube Global. Is just i was just checking whether you'd get it right or not <laughs> thank you how long Kathy. have we been married um a while <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 38 I'll years. put the links in the description so people can see what oh, they are. Hey, anyway, Andrew, so. thanks that for that. That might make it easier. <laughs> no one will be confused if that's no. going to happen. But I'm yes. glad you had that exchange. So. <laughs> yes, well, I'm glad we've clarified that now. <laughs> After 28 years of ministry, yes. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you must have started about the same time as us. We've been going back 28 years. Mm. Okay, so, yeah, we left the shores. Sorry, Daphne. We left okay. the shores of Australia in 2001. Yes, but mm. we came to the Lord in 1992. That's what you're <laughs> talking about, isn't it? When, because uh, you've been, how many years have you guys been involved? 
In what? In, in the, the ministry. In ministry. 28 years. 28 years. So we're talking ministry. about when we started yeah. 28 years ago. Okay. We were in Melbourne originally mm. and uh, we gave our hearts. Actually, we were, our part of our story is we were well away from the Lord and we walked into a church in 1992. And I think within about six weeks we were in children's ministry. Oh, yeah. Yep. They gave us a room full of children who actually knew the Bible back to front, didn't they? They knew all the chapters of the Bible and they said, go and teach the children because we used to be school teachers. And away Kathy went. She was in Actually, her... the children taught us. They did. They knew <laughs> the Bible so well and we learnt with them. So, yeah. Well, yeah. when you said children's ministry, it takes me back to a conversation I had just yesterday. But I had a message from someone. And they said, can you help? <clears throat> We're running a children's group. We've got everything ready. We just need the contents. So I said, what have you got ready? They said, we've got baskets with scissors and crayons. <laughs> and we've got, this, uh, we've got glue. We've got this in. I've got eight baskets all ready for all the groups. We just basically need to know what to do with what, them now. What are we colouring in? What, what, what are we doing? Yeah, we need the content. And oh. so, you know, this is probably... Yeah. The kind of concept that most people think is that the basics for children's ministry is you've got to have crayons, you've got to have pencils, you've got to have colouring in, you've got to have pictures and you've got to have art and craft. So, you know, would you tell us what your response to that is? <laughs> um, you saw my giggle. Yeah, it's uh, like, really? What about the presence of God in the word and the, the move of the spirit and miracles and signs and wonders and hearing from God and soaking time and worship art and expressions of love for Jesus and testimonies and um, healings and all of that. So I understand, you know, you guys, we have been on a journey to turn that around, to shift the mindset of babysitting to no, these children are disciples of Jesus and we want to raise them and bring the word and uh, release them in their ministry gifts and help them and equip them, the fivefold ministry gifts that are in them and those that will be marketplace people and you know creative and media children and just everything that's within a child. And I think that's the passion and that's what's kept us going all these years, even though it's frustrating and you just want to pull your hair out when you hear things like that with the, and be gracious at the same time. Have yeah. you ever thought of praying for the children or uh, laying hands on them or um, uh, letting them prophesy and teaching them how to uh, activate the nine gifts of the spirit and all of that? So that's our reaction <laughs> Well, well, it I is our reaction, but it's also a journey, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, so many people and so many ministries often, like us, we were just put into children's ministry without any training. So, uh, so what you're doing and also what we're doing is equipping the saints, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. you know, I, I, with grace and mercy, like you said, Cathy, people don't know. I mean, when, when I talked to this person, um, at the end of the conversation, I said, so what are you going to do now? She said, I'm going to go and see my pastor and I'm going to give him all my baskets back and say, I've just talked to Daphne. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Here's your baskets. Well, and it only took a, yeah. It just took a short conversation. I mean, I think people don't know. Well, it, they know mm-hmm. what they know. Yeah, they yeah. only know what yeah. they know. And, and traditions and this is, have been passed down. Yeah, and yeah. this is why we honour we honour you because you're going out there and and giving people the insight. So let's backtrack a bit. We are talking about children. Now, give us some sort of age bracket that you would be thinking about. Are you talking about children meaning 14, 15, 16? Or mm, who are you talking mm. about? Um, well, we love every age group of children, but what God has anointed us and the age range really is from about 7 to 14 right. um, or 15. Um because there is such a, um, a generational blessing on children being alongside young people and vice, you know, vice versa. And that's why we started the International School of Worship, which we, we um, spend three days with that age group and seeing what God does when these people get together and worship together. And, uh, you know, initially when we invited the older children to come to our conferences with seven-year-olds, they balked. It was like, what would we want to do that for? Mm. But And their parents signed them in, as they do. And um, But within a, an hour or two hours of in the presence of God, we saw these older ones weeping in the presence of God, repenting for their attitudes and saying, I understand now, Auntie Kathy, Uncle Brennan, I understand. I, I've lost my childlike, like, and God is showing me the beauty in the little ones, in their innocence and purity and worship. And I've got all these issues and I, you know, got all these attitudes and God is just breaking them down just because they're in the same room together, worshiping yeah. the same living God. That's right. I mean, absolutely. We, that's our sweet spot. But often, like you would find in children's ministry, uh, particularly in churches, and they'll split it up into um, preschool, then primary age, elementary age, say from five to 12-year-olds, and then they'll have the younger youth and then the older youth. So if we go to a church or a larger church, we'll often be with the five to 12-year-olds, and that would be a sweet spot on a, on a normal weekend. But our school of worship, brings a generational flavor which we really love to do and when we're like you Daphne and and Andrew it's like when we're in a church we're like please give us the families not just put us out in the back room with the children which we love and enjoy but there has to be a moment if you're going to get the fullness of what the Clancy's carry to have the family in the house of God together so that we can minister a message of um, unity and blessing of households and family anointing Mm. and have moments where the children can articulate their love for Jesus and and just the reveal of God within families and bringing them together not siloing like that's that's what we do we've done it traditionally and I'm praying that you know in this season um, that we're in that has never been in the history of life before where we're going through what we're going through we're learning we're learning what god wants for his church his glorious church because he's coming back for a spotless um, glorious church and not being together in the same room is just tragic to me 
Yeah. Often, you know. And also, I think, you know, having families, training families, like we find it with um, Zooms, on the one hand, being good, particularly with uh, churches in Asia that have got together and um, training the parents what to do with their children in the area of worship at home. So um, bringing that component together has been has been good. Yes. Uh, obviously, that's where it begins. That's where... Andrew, you grew up in a godly home, and uh, look at you now. So, uh, <laughs> yes, and a we... perfect specimen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but it helps so much. We've got three grandchildren now, and our son-in-law and daughter um, are very biblically-minded, training their children, mm-hmm. discipling their children. And yes, we all go to a local church as well, but the parents... Need, need help and instruction and prayer themselves, you know, because the children can be touched and changed and transformed in a moment. But if they go home to a family that isn't aware of what's happening or hasn't, haven't had that same encounter perhaps themselves, then uh, we're in jeopardy of maybe losing the fullness of what just happened. Mm. Yeah. And one of the things that we've talked to pastors about around the world is the is the the parents. You know, what do we do with the parents? And and so, you know, often the the parents think that their job is to bring them and drop them off at children's ministry or youth ministry, and then they've done what they're meant to do. Uh, we have par- pastors um, or leaders in churches saying the parents should be doing more, and then we talk to the pa- the uh, pastors and the churches and say, well, yes, they maybe they should, but let's look at the church first because often the church is disempowering the parents and. And then, of course, everything's gone into lockdown. And we've said to leaders, look, this is the perfect opportunity to start empowering the parents, get the parents Mm -hmm. doing what they should be doing in discipling and raising their kids. And uh, often we'll hear them saying or we'll hear of churches saying, look, let's now we'll, we'll just empower you and equip your children's ministry through the Internet. And we say, no, 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 don't don't revert back again doing it that way. Let's start empowering the parents while we can and get this model going so that when we come out of this, those parents just continue on with what they've been doing. Um, this is a great opportunity for doing that, like you said. Very good. Yes. yes. Well, we go one little step further than you. When you say to the pastors, um, we want the parents in there, we say to the pastors, we won't do this unless the senior leadership are in there. Yes. Uh-huh. So we, because I think to change mm. the culture of the church and really get this, you ought to have the pastors on board. Absolutely. Mm. Yep, um, absolutely. It has to start from the head up, doesn't it? I mean, the head down. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, it, I remember it's... you, I mean, this has been a, a core value ever since I've known you, Daphne, like get the pastors um, on board and, you know, that's that's such a key. Yes, it is, yes. We've okay, been so very blessed with that. Oh, go, no, go, go, Daphne. Let, so let's take it a bit further than this. So this is great what you're doing and what you saw and any of it, but... Most Christians will say, is this biblical? Right. So is this biblical? I mean, tell us about it. Well, Deuteronomy, you know, chapter 6, tells us what our role as parents is and to bring the word to the children so that they'll know, you know, and um, to, to articulate and be Um, immersed in the Bible and God's presence 
from morning to night when you're walking and talking and everywhere you know this is my paraphrase and to bring the truth of God's word to pass it on to the next generation that's right and so that's the you know that's Deuteronomy and then you know we go into Ephesians and we learn about parents and roles and their children's roles to you know to honor their parents and that it may go well with them and they'll live long on the earth. And the whole family of God, isn't it? In Ephesians talks about that. Absolutely. As for me and my house, we will serve Joshua. the Lord Joshua. Yes. Yes. So it's in the Bible. Yes. <laughs> Once or twice. Um, Jesus grew up in a family and uh, he was brought up the way that he should go so that when he was older, he would not depart from it. So. Yes, there's lots of biblical evidence. I mean, the church, the way it's designed nowadays, is a fairly modern concept, I suppose, compared to, say, the ancient days. So we, mm -hmm. in many ways, have to relearn what, what it meant to have a biblical-minded family with children and generation to generation growing up together. So, yeah. Yeah, and the word being like... The central key to life our roadmap is the word of God for life and what a great ministry book to learn how to parent I mean Proverbs is just full of the wisdom and counsel of God as to how to raise our children and just like Brennan said you know when they're old they won't depart from it and in the Amplified Bible of that um, Psalm uh, Proverbs 22, it says, train them in their individual bent and gifting in the Amplified Bible. So we're not only training them in behavior and character, but developing their character, but we're also training them for, for war in the battle of life, using their gifts and abilities and talents um, that the world needs. Um, you know the, the the songwriters that are children that's why we spend a lot of time writing songs and spending creative time with children so that they can express through their uh, giftings and talents who God is for them and parents you know it's like your parent your dad brought you you're the only one in the family that really learnt how to play the piano. Yes out of the six children I was the only one. But he picked yeah. up a gift in his son that has now blessed the nations through his ministry music he's like david he's skilled and anointed and when brennan plays you know demons flee and people are set free so he was a child when he started so helping parents recognize that every child is uniquely designly divinely knit together by mm -hmm. god and then biblically working through all those scriptures on parenting. I mean, you could spend so much time learning about how to be a godly parent just being in the Word. Mm -hmm. yeah. we, um, one of the things that we say to churches is, and to pastors, if parents are restored to being the primary disciples of their children, and that has to be, I think, a very proactive thing in the church. It, it, at the minute, it's, it's all causing separation. But if they're restored to being the primary disciples of the children, that leaves the church 
having two significant roles, we think, with the next generation. One is there's a lost generation out there. Should the church's resources not be going out to rescue a lost generation when mostly they're pouring into church youngsters? Whereas if Mm -hmm. the parents picked up that, they could take these church youngsters with them to go and win their generation for Jesus. Absolutely. The other um, example we give is Paul and Timothy, how Timothy, um, Paul recognized in Timothy his mm-hmm. godly heritage and he was strong. He, he was, so why did he need Paul? You know, and um, we often say, well, Paul must have turned to Peter and gone, do you know what? I get to have Timothy. And should the church not be bringing in all these Timothys? But why did Timothy need Paul? Well, Paul um, inputted in Timothy's life what his family couldn't, and that was raised him in the apostolic. So there is a role for the church with these children, young people, not to replace the parents, but to give what the parents cannot give. I mean, you have a specific gifting, which many parents don't have, and that's okay. And you can input into these lives. But I think we just get all these roles mixed up and blurred, Yes. I mean, it's yes. like Brendan said, we've got a, a model of church that doesn't have a lot of reflection in the Bible. And so we've got mixed in this education system. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. And I think we we find ourselves without the biblical reference, we find ourselves trying to be a nice church, um, accommodating everybody because we're nice people. But the, it's the truth that sets them free, and I, you know, there, as we can see, even now, there's becoming like a real line in the sand where it's clearly divisible. You know, the, our good news isn't received as good news to everyone. So, and that's where moments like this, where we're talking together with our good friends who we haven't seen forever, but but we're all stronger in God. I've been um, actually. Funny enough, in this moment, uh, because travel stopped all of a sudden, I became an Uber driver for a while. Um, I bought a eight-seater van and I started taking people to clubs and pubs and <laughs> on a Friday night and driving them home afterwards with all sorts of uh, variety of people. Let's put it that way. Uh, but what it solidly did in my heart was give me a real heart for the lost again. It showed me how lost people are we're supposedly a christian nation but really um and i've I've fortunately had many times where i've been able to witness but it's that whole sense as you say daphne how do we get the word out how do we because uh yeah the one challenge is to make disciples of the children who are in front of us in church but there's so many people out there that haven't heard the good news. So I'm, I don't know the answer to that. And then they're parents of children, who so it's a whole. You know, you see the Old Testament with after two generations after Joshua entered the Promised Land, they were gone again. You know, we've we um, that heritage of faith. Uh, so it's a fight, it's mm. a battle. We know who wins in the end, the book of Revelation. and But we've, we've just got to stay strong and encourage one another in mm. moments even like this where you say, you know what, we're doing the best we can do with this moment. 
Well, yeah. um, one of the phrases we use is to turn a nation, you've got to take the next generation. And no, political yeah. systems know that, other religions know it. <clears throat> we tell yes. a story about how we were up a mountain in the Himalayas. In the Himalayas. <laughs> and we looked down and somebody said, <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. Somebody said, see that city of a million? Every home has a Hindu altar. And we ask all over the world, can you tell us one city of a million, quarter of a million, half a million, where Jesus can say, every home is mine. And no one has been able to give us one. And so political systems and other religions are turning nations, they're turning cities, and we who have the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit are not. And so we say, well, could it be wrapped up in this phrase that to turn a nation, you must take the next generation? And that's what political systems do. That's what other religions do. And yet churches, it's often the the weakest aspect of the church with the fewest people engaged. Do you mm -hmm. find that? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, we've been to hundreds of churches and seen the same scenario, which is heartbreaking to see churches you know the leaders in the kids ministry saying we don't have enough volunteers we don't have enough and it just is a heartbreak because mm. <laughs> if I was going to serve anywhere which I have is in the children because knowing what Jesus said to let them come to bring them to him and the priority in the heart of the father for children he sees them and he knows what he's put in them and how he's designed them so for others not to see it is just heartbreaking. Um, we were just serving in our church uh, recently, um, um, which is a joy because our children are there and they've all progressed now through into youth. But um, uh, I said to the team, I want to do something. It was three nights of fire, so the Holy Spirit move, moving in the children and through the children. And I said, I just... If the parents are coming to collect their children, I want to invite them all in. Invite them all in for this moment um, because I want them to walk into the atmosphere that the Holy Spirit's created and, you know, he uses people to create these atmospheres in these moments. And it was like they were walking into a wall of fire. I had all the children just laying on the carpet, soaking in the presence of God. They were being touched by the presence of God. The parents were gobsmacked because um, there are their children under the arrest of the presence. And I said, mums, dads, just come and sit next to your children and just pray for them. Can you just pray for them and prophesy over them and let them feel the love um, one to another? And it was, and we've had many moments where we've done that just to, to um, break the the atmosphere of you know this is we need fun we need games we need food and we need a coloring sheet and no we're like no it's just this radical it's time it's so time for churches excuse me to rise up and allow the presence of god to take control we are control freaks and people freak out when they think, you know, I don't have a run sheet or, you know, I haven't ticked all the boxes and we haven't done the craft. And 
And so this is our message like you, you and we do it differently, but we do it with the same spirit and the same cry of the spirit. We feel the cry of the spirit. And so, you know, we've started a, um, just a weekly, you know, uh, Instagram prayer group praying. We've actually prayed for you. I think, Andrew, I think you jumped on once or Yeah, I've popped whatever. on a few times. <laughs> yeah, and there's not a lot of people, but we just, God, we're crying out together and hearing the the heart of the spirit and just uses to pray some things through because that's the only way things are going to change mm. in the yeah. engine room, in the <clears throat> prayer room, in intercession. And we're just going to keep doing that. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Know, yeah. Brendan mentioned uh, intentional, being intentional of how we've been and how you've been raising and equipping this next generation. And, you know, going through these days that we're living in now, we, we often in our house will be talking about it and we'll think back to churches that we've been to and uh, how, you know, one of our lines has been, you know, you need to be preparing, but how are you preparing and raising the next generation to be ready for the years which are ahead of them? Because one day we'll wake up and the world will have changed overnight and will they mm. be ready for it? And of course, now the world has changed almost overnight. And we'll yes. often think, you know, I wonder how many people over the years, over 28 years of traveling, took that seriously um, and really started to equip and intentionally train and prepare the next generation for the world that we're living in, that they were going through, but also for what the Bible said is going to come. And as a part of it, we talk about discipleship. And uh, I know we were invited to go to Brazil one time and they said could to us, could you speak about discipling kids? And so um, I think mum got on the on the stage There's probably I think it was in Brazil. There are about 5000 pastors. And she said to them, you know, you've asked me to come and speak about discipling children, discipling your kids. And um, she said, how many of you like football? And because uh, we're in Brazil, uh, we're talking right. about real football, um, soccer, yes. real, oh. real. Oh. Not, not the fake American football for the American no, listeners, no, no. Um, the real, the real thing. And because uh, uh -huh. we're in Brazil, so everyone's like, yeah, you know, hands in the air. And said, how many of you have children that like football? And so all of them again, yeah. And she mm -hmm. said, how many of you have children that support the same football team as you? And so they were all shouting football teams names out and all that kind of stuff. And she said, so, so why have you asked me to come and speak about discipling your children? You've already done it. You did it with football. Wow. And the room went very quiet. And... Um, she said, you see, and you raised Deuteronomy 6 earlier on, she said, you know, you see, you've trained and discipled your children and the things that you're passionate about. If you're mm -hmm. passionate about football, you pass that on or, you know, pick a subject. If you're passionate about it, your kids do catch that passion and you don't have to train someone to do that. And she said, you know, wow. we've got we've got a bigger problem. She said, is it? She said, it's not that parents don't know how to disciple your kids. The issue is you disciple your children and the things that you're passionate about. So have we got a generation of parents that have lost their passion for Jesus? And Nailed it. Wow. The room went very quiet. It went very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yes. the, you know, this for people listening, these days that we're living in right now of this great shaking, you know, if, if we hadn't seen the importance of raising and training up your kids or people in the next generation before, 
really encourage you to really start thinking about that now you know see this world that we're living in right now how can you train and equip intentionally your kids and people in the next generation for this world that we're going through right now and even the years ahead of us Mm. glorious absolutely yes because the world is going hard after our children now after children to lower the age of consent um the abortion issue of course um the uh, the the way we're supposed to accommodate for everything everyone every bent that everyone has no matter how ungodly and unscriptural it is we're supposed to accommodate everyone the children in schools are battling for um for their own trying to get their heads around giving them choice about gender issues when they're four years old and so those sort of issues where children as we know they absorb things but they don't process things you know they'll absorb whatever we show them the first time when they that's why we keep things to a g-rated that's why kathy was so strict with our daughter growing up when we came into the house of god she was 12 years old and the only thing she could watch was g-rated movies till she was about 16 16 i think singing in the rain might have been the most radical movie the out there movie that you would allow and she watched it about 30 times she mm-hmm. uh, but um but now they're open all these devices and all these um ways of we it's it's hard to monitor but that's why we more than ever we need to be helping parents understand and churches like you say the pastors that question your mm. challenge Daphne was just so powerful mm-hmm. to see a room go hysterical about mm-hmm. football and then to be utterly quiet I, I believe that memory will stay in the 5,000 pastors minds forever because um, how important it is and hopefully shifted them radically mm. to to look at their own and look at their own selves and and their own walk with Jesus. That's right. Well, we have to ask, why is the devil going after this next generation so hard? Now, I mean, we've been we've been reading through the Old Testament and, and God's judgment against you know the sacrifice of children. Well, yes. children are being sacrificed. I mean, you you can go the whole gamut of whether it's in front yep. of a television set or whether it's abortion. There's a whole range. Um, to turn a nation, you've got to take the next generation. So the devil knows that, and he's going to be after the next generation. But I also have another thought or theory we have. Mm. The heads of the major mission organizations met together, and they issued a statement. These are the heads that this next generation, this emerging generation, can easily complete the Great Commission. Easily. So what does that mean? They could see the return of the king. So, you know, we say everything we do with this next generation has to take them from here to the return of the king. So eschatology isn't a topic anymore. It is the culture that they live in. The the Mm. days for preaching it are over. The days for living it are, are in front of us. So if this generation... Although, do still preach it. Although, do still preach it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, so I didn't mean that. But, but um, we've got to play catch up on that. Yeah. But if they could be the generation that are going to cry, come Lord Jesus, if they're mm-hmm. the generation that are going to walk through the hardest times this world has known, 
is it any wonder that the devil is after them hard and fast? And I think we yes, lose yeah. the big picture of what's going on in the world and we just focus on, on a little world in front of us. So for us, it is like, it is imperative that this next generation are prepared and ready. Like yes. you said earlier, Kathy, Jesus is coming. And, yes. and it grieves our heart that most of them don't even know that. I mean, not really know it. We, we, Brennan wrote a little tune um, that we've been teaching children. He came, he died, he arose, he ascended, and he's coming back again. Right. And so, I don't know, do you want to hear it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? Okay. We just While you're happen getting... to have a guitar. That'd be great. <laughs> but when... you may not pick up the guitar. Oh, we've, no, we've... I'll, I'll put the mic Oh, okay, you'll put the mic down. Um, it's so simple, but what it's do... – children – do you understand what we've just said? They get to the point, yeah, Jesus, we know he came, he died, he rose again. Um, even the ascension, they don't necessarily grasp. But that he's coming back, he's coming back again. And like you say, this is whole missing link. And so it's part of our mission as well to bring the whole gospel so that they can have that assurance. You know, so. talk about the whole gospel. Um, for, we ask pastors, give us four or five things that you think is the gospel. And not okay. one has ever put the return of Jesus into it. Not one. So we've got something to add to one of your phrases. If they're the generation that could see the return of the king, I said to Shirley, who we both know, I said, it's born ready and go ready. Oh, yeah. All right, girl. <laughs> Love it. Born ready, go ready. Go ready. Equipped. Amen. All right. We'll sing it. He came, he died, he arose, he ascended, and he's coming back again. He came, he died, he arose, he ascended, and he's coming back. but memorable. Made and, me cry. Uh, we just know that Jesus is pleased when the whole gospel is revealed, preached, and these children, if they knew, if they only knew, um, if they only knew, uh, they will be able to face what's ahead and they'll do it with um, spirits that are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. But when it's this half-measure, half-hearted, lukewarm gospel that has n no power, then we are, like you say, we're totally doing a disservice to the children. So you guys keep going. We're with you. Well, I think we're not, we're not closing yet, but when we close yeah. out, let's close out with that song. Mm. Okay. But, um, I'm going to tell you something that I think is going to blow you away. We did a podcast last week yeah. with a man called Rudy Atala. Yeah. He's, so he, um, he, he was high-ranking in the U.S. Air Force, um, retired, went on to be a, an advisor for uh, Secretary of Defense and various places, and he oversaw um, intelligence 
um, for Middle East and Africa and another region. Anyway, now he does a number of things, but but one of his things that he does is helps to rescue Christians who have been held captive in countries, and he he rescues them from those situations. And we were talking to him, and we said to him, you know, over the years of engaging with these different persecuted people groups, um, what what's a, a common denominator between those that stood under persecution and those that fell? And this is a question we've asked persecuted people around the world for a number of years, but he yeah, we ask something. it for preparing the next generation yeah. for what's ahead of them. So how can, how we, can we equip them to yeah. stand in persecution? Yeah, and he said, and we had never thought about this, which is funny given our ministry, but he right. said one of the things he's noticed is that people that came from strong family units were able to stand stronger under persecution than those that weren't. Okay, wow, wow. wow. Yeah. Boom. How about that? Well, that is, yep. So then we went on to say, what about martyrdom? And we believe that this next generation are going to have to walk through the hardest times this world has known. And many of them will have to die for Jesus. So we need to be equipping them for it. So we said, well, what about martyrdom? He said, well, he said, this is what I've noticed. For people listening, um, some may not understand what you mean by martyrdom. Some might have the slightly negative... Uh, yes. So when yeah. we say martyrdom, we're talking about people that have been killed for their faith. Yeah, dying yeah. for yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, so he, I said, well, what about that? How, how do they stand strong then? And he said, well, those that are secure in their eternal destiny stand strong. Mm. Those that are secure in their eternal destiny have often come from a strong family. And he said, this is why in the East, they deal with it better than in the West, because they've got strong family units, strong extended families, and they often cope with it better than those in the West. I I nearly fell off my chair. We were like, we have never thought about that, which is kind of mind-blowing to us, given that so much of what we do is about families. We'd never connected the standing strong in persecution and martyrdom to coming from the strong family unit. So you two, without even knowing it, have been preparing a generation to stand through these hard times and wow. blew it's us true. away. So there's yeah, a and in, in relation to that too, I've been really drawn to scriptures about we are citizens of heaven. You know, this whole sense of our destiny, our destination. Paul spoke about folding up his tent one day. Is it better that I live? Or if I live, I'm... uh, But if I die, I'm with Christ. So if it was that whole sense of, is it better? Mm. And it was... He he was talking about... For your sake. For your sake, it's better that I stay now. Mm. But he was ready to pour out like a drink offering. He was ready to go to his true citizenship, which is Mm. in heaven but i love what you're saying about connecting that with the sense of family so that we can all stand strong in this time yeah talking about you know talking about the eternal kingdom one of the things that we say in our conferences and it's really funny because we've often got an interpreter and yes. say are your children going to say thank you one billion years from now and you can see the interpreter go, 
did 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 I hear right? Did did, did right. you really say billion? But it, I mean, having your children's eternal destiny of a billion years from now and billions of years from now instead of the next seventy eighty years mm-hmm. gives a whole different perspective. Yes. Yes. True. Yes, it does. We and were in I, Burma, um, me and Ma, some years ago, and we were ministering uh, to the the young people and in the prayer line. And as I got to a young lady, the Holy Spirit said to me, "She she's going to be martyred for me. And um, being a Westerner and being, you know, one of the first missionary trips that we went to, it just like took me back, like took me aback. And I'm like, Lord, what do I pray? Just pray love and blessing over her. You don't even have, don't have to tell her. But she is a joy, like the joy of these precious people to live for Christ and possibly die for Christ is for a Westerner, for us, like so humbling and so, oh my goodness, inconceivable. But Mm. in these days ahead, we're all facing more and more opposition and standing up. These children need to be able to stand up in their authority in Christ Jesus know the word and use the word as a sword, the sword of the spirit, and be willing to lay down their lives for the gospel's sake. So when we when we challenge young people and, and the children are there too, um um often because when we do pastors and leaders conferences it's all young they're all there as well, often. And we call them forward and we say to them, We believe you're waiting for a challenge that's bigger than you. You're waiting for somebody to believe that you can do more than you think you can. You're ready to give your lives for something. And they weep. I mean, they actually weep. And I believe the Holy Spirit is writing this on the hearts of this generation. And And scissors and paper are not going to connect with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And when we connect with what the Holy Spirit is doing, it sparks. And I believe this generation... God is preparing them. Mm-hmm. We just got to connect with what he's yeah. doing. And it's our greatest privilege. Yes. Greatest yeah. privilege that he would allow us to impact their lives. You know, I think what most people don't realize is it is a biblical command on everybody to pass yes. on mm-hmm. to the next generation. Everybody yes. is going to be held accountable for whether they did Yes, and, one generation um, shall lord your praise to the next. Exactly. And, um, yeah. And, and David. David was a king and he was a he was a I mean he was a warrior. He he'd done it all. He'd written the psalms and yet he said, "Oh lord, from my youth I've known you, even now an old and grey. Please don't let me die till I've told the next generation." It was an wow. incomplete mandate. And one of our key scriptures is David said, I will declare your name to all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever. And the key to having every people group at the feet of Jesus is that we declare his name onto the through the generations. And everybody wants to see every people group. And we see, but I've never heard in a missions conference, evangelism, anything, that scripture. And yet in it is the key to world evangelism. Oh, Lord, God. We're not good for one another because we just 
<laughs> speaking the same language but um but like well, hopefully you... those that are watching or listening the the spirit of what we're saying just penetrates you know for anyone who's open to hear what the spirit is saying they'll pick it up and these podcasts are so significant for such yes. a time as this everyone and look this is prophetic to a little chat but just everyone that god puts on your heart to speak to you are giving them a voice of what they are carrying by the the grace of god for this season and for the generations and i'm just thankful that you um you know having seen the faithfulness that you are to jesus you know and he's so pleased but i know that you know you're not satisfied either <laughs> because it's not over till it's over and um We'll have plenty of time when we're in heaven to shout and praise and worship and glorify. But while we've got breath on this side of heaven, that's right. Use our breath to shout and to proclaim. Kathy had a moment where she was challenged about life and death when I had a heart attack about oh. uh, seven years ago, eight years ago, and I ended up having three stents and all is well. Thank you, Lord. And um, healed, and uh, but at the time, Kathy was waiting outside the hospital in the hospital, weren't you? And uh, you didn't in the emergency, and And you really felt like God spoke to you loud and clear because you know, in that crisis moment, to to be still and just go internal, Holy Spirit, speak to me, what's happening here? And all He said to me over and over and over again for maybe a half an hour to be absent. From the body is to be present with the lord and i'm like oh my goodness so i'm processing are you telling me are you telling me that my husband is going to go to glory and so just kept going rolling rolling over in me and then i just took a breath and i said okay and um and the lord said so what if what what are you going to do if he comes home to me and I just, you know, tears rolling down my eyes and I'm like, well, Lord, I'll serve you. Lord, I'll proclaim you. Lord, I'll follow you. Lord, I'll sing for you. God, I'll preach for you, whatever you want me to do. And as soon as I had that response, you know, the, the nurse came out and said, oh, he's going to be fine. He's just had three cents put in and he'll be out in a couple of days and up and running. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, for that process. Like, well, thank you for the healing. But the the process yeah in I'm, me thank, I'm thankful <laughs> <laughs> was so glorious because it just brings you back to kingdom we get so distracted and so pulled down into pecking like a chicken when we're soaring like eagles in the spirit realm far above all principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this age and so as we teach children where they are positionally in christ mm then they can take their position in the body of Christ and turn nations. We've also started a, a prayer group um, for children and families. So they get on the Zoom and we pray together for the nations and the children are really, we teach for a little bit with the parents there and then we release the children to pray as they've had revelation and, and, um, and activate 
you know, their authority and just helping train them, train them, but it's with the parents in the Zoom context. Mm. And we're finding that so effective. We're getting emails from parents saying, our prayer life as a family has totally turned around. Um, we are seeing our children with a hunger. They don't want to stop praying. They prefer to pray than put on a device. And we're like, God, come on, this is what we're after, releasing um, and the hunger and thirsting after God that mm. is required for such a time as this. Well, so, yeah, we do speak the same language. Oh, we do. Um, and it's each of us um, pursuing what God wants us to do and how he wants us to take the vision. None of us have got it all. None of us has got the whole thing. We've just got to stay faithful. So yes. I want to finish with this um, to encourage both of you. Um we believe that there are two cries that are going to come out to welcome the king. One is going to become Lord Jesus and the other is going to come out from Jerusalem. Baruch habab Shem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And from Jew and Gentile will come out this cries. Mm. While you are raising a generation in the nations of worshippers to welcome him, we know somebody in Jerusalem who is raising up the next generation of harpists to welcome oh. him. A generation of children who, from in the prayer houses and, and families who are there to be part of the welcoming of the king as they play their harps. And though, mm. so together God is bringing Jew and Gentile and a generation to rise up with people like you and our friend Catherine to raise mm. up this next generation of worshippers for the king. Yeah. So... Wow. Yeah, God is doing it. This generation will be ready. Yes, So yes. do you want to close out and then them pray and then sing their song to finish? I so want that to finish. Yeah. <laughs> thank you both so much. We we really appreciate you and everything you both do. Um, so, yeah, thank you for, for taking the time to, to come and talk with us. That's a privilege and an honor, and we'll keep praying for you on our Fridays, yes. lifting up you guys and generation to generation. And as we declare this, um, we just thank you, Lord. We do cry, come, Lord Jesus, as we worship you, one true living God. We thank you, Lord, that all over the earth, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we just bring this song before you again, God, in proclamation. Thank you, Jesus. He came, he died, he arose, he ascended, and he's coming back again. He came, he died, he arose, he ascended, and he's coming back again. Jesus is coming back again thank you for listening to this episode if it inspired you please rate us and subscribe on apple or google podcasts spotify or another podcast platform